It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is Court Today. Court Today with J.P. McNamara on C103. Court's greatest And a very good morning. It is JP in for Patricia just for today until one o'clock. Bernie taking those calls on our common line. Lines open 0818103103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And ahead on the show this morning, we're going to hear the latest situation from the Ukraine. We're going to be rejoined on the show by the Bantry man Eugene O'Sullivan, who was in the town of Dikanka in the Ukraine. We'll also get the latest from those who have family living in the Ukraine and say they will remain there. Uh, despite the cities around them which are now under attack from Russian forces but there's a number of uh, people living here in Cork uh, who came to Ireland about 19, 20 years ago and they have family who remain in the Ukraine so we're going to hear from them and we'll also find out how their families are how they are coping within the Ukraine and where they are because we've spoken to a lot of people off here over the last number of days and they're telling us that they have families you know the high-rise apartments that we see here on our TV screens they remain in those apartments and when the air sirens go off in their cities or towns they then go to basements or bunkers nearby but many refuse to leave because they say it's our home we did not start this so we will speak to a number of people this morning living here in Cork with a lot of family who remain in the Ukraine also on the programme this morning. A shock yesterday when it came to the world of politics. Alan Kelly resigns as leader of the Labour Party. We'll speak with our political correspondent Sean Defoe on this and many people feel that Labour still has not come back from his time in government and one of the reasons that Alan Kelly left is because those around him, his own colleagues, felt that the polling for Labour and the future was not going to go well and they felt it was time for a new leader. So we'll hear from our political correspondent Sean Defoe who was in Linster House yesterday evening uh, for which was a very uh, emotional speech by Alan Kelly we'll uh, hear that and a lot of comments already into us from people uh, who feel at this stage that there could be a lot more female leaders uh, in the Dáil following this announcement yesterday your views are welcome text or WhatsApp 0862103103 also our Gardafile and Pet Advice with Jane and much more to come between now and one o'clock our lines are open Bernie taking those calls 0818 
0818103103. And just sticking with the Ukraine for the moment, a news that came overnight that one of its first cities has surrendered to Vladimir Putin after the Russian leader was accused of new tactics and he was deliberately trapping civilians under relentless artillery fire. Uh, the mayor of, which is a very important city in the Ukraine, it's in the very south, it's Kherson, and they confirmed last night that they had fallen into Russian hands and now that Russia planned to set up a military administration in that city. This also gives Russia a, a now established a new route into Kiev because there's a bridge uh, near this city and it basically crosses over the river which more, more does really I suppose you look at the map of the Ukraine it splits the country in two uh, but it means that he can head westwards and northwards to attack Kiev from a second direction which he did not have already so a lot of concerns about that and the United Nations uh, General Assembly they have condemned Russia's attack on the Ukraine yesterday a mid-fierce fighting that continues in the capital of Kiev uh, now reporting as I mentioned over 2,000 civilians uh, have been killed in this war. Moscow admitted for the first time yesterday uh, that that their troops, a number of their own troops, have been killed as well within this. And this continues on with uh, more talks between the Ukraine and Russia scheduled for today. Uh, and it seems at this stage nearly, according to the UN anyhow, that nearly one million Ukrainians have fled their homeland and have gone on to neighbouring EU states. The majority of them are travelling to Poland over the borders and as the world basically continues sanctions against Russia uh, and isolation for Russia we see even how it affects everything from finance to sport and the billionaire Roman Abramovich yesterday has put his own football club in England Chelsea up for sale and within that it seems as that news came out uh, the Irish Sun reporting that Conor McGregor Uh, He stated last night that he wishes to explore the possibility of buying the West London club. So we'll have to see what happens uh, if he does decide to buy Chelsea or not and how Chelsea fans feel about Conor McGregor uh, purchasing their club. Also, uh, when it comes to the war in the Ukraine, the effects that it's having across the world, a lot of that due to pricing. I'm sure people have seen the pumps when it comes to fuel at this stage. Petrol now roughly averaging at 181 to 183. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people would have seen that uh, over the last number of days the price increasing uh, from would it be 176 to 177 suddenly just spiraling up and up and 183 is what I saw yesterday uh, diesel roughly around 173 to 176 uh, yesterday though in Carlo uh, there was diesel prices spotted for 162 the cheapest in the country it would seem Bush on the M3 uh, yesterday evening uh, spotted an eagle-eyed driver uh, spotted nearly was a 198 for petrol so they reckon it will at this stage go to the two euro mark and European gas has also soared and that will see an increase in our gas prices and wheat prices have hit a 14 year high and this is due to the ports uh, closing across the Ukraine and farmers worried now about feed that they would import further animals uh, so the knock on effect is just now huge and it's going to we're going to see more of that over uh, the next number of weeks and as I mentioned there regarding from from war in the Ukraine to what's happening politically here in Ireland and Alan Kelly's dramatically resigning and an emotional resign last night uh, from the Labour Party. 
We'll discuss that later after 11 o'clock, as I said, with our political correspondent, Sean Defoe. Uh, but as many people are texting in on, on why he has resigned and, and what led to this, it would seem, according to the papers, that on Tuesday morning, a delegation made up of Cork East TD from Mallow, Sean Sherlock, and Dublin TD, Duncan Smith, along with Senator Mark Wall, that they all were considered strong supporters of Mr. Kelly, but they all met with the party leader. And during the meeting, they basically told him that he could resign or that there would be a vote of no confidence in his leadership and that he would not win as he didn't have the members' support. And at the briefing yesterday evening uh, to media, while he was emotional, he did accept their verdict uh, within seconds. He thought about it but accepted their verdict and decided to resign. So while it was only two years and he explained that he felt during the pandemic it was hard to revive the party with meetings being held virtually and not able to get out and meet members, uh, he feels that was one of the reasons why he could not revive the party. Anyhow, we will get to those calls and texts on Labour shortly. Your views are welcome. 0818 103 103 to Bernie or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Good morning, our lines are open. 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 and an email in to us and this is regards to people who are arriving here uh, from Ukraine to Ireland and uh, is asking if people are allowed to work here in Ireland, perhaps they should be allowed to do so immediately and says with the shortage of skills here maybe they should be given the option to live where the jobs are uh, says Anne and I'm sure many people would uh, welcome uh, work if they thought they could settle here in Ireland depending on, on what is going to happen uh, and on email to Cork today at c103.ie and the Avenue which is the local paper in the uh, area of Mitchellstown and Fermoy in, in the North Cork area and also South Tip and West Waterford they this morning uh, have they usually have a red logo when they say the Avenue they have the colours of Ukraine on uh, their front uh, covered this morning so their usual red has gone to blue and yellow a lot of people noticing that so uh, good morning to everybody in the Avenue and Fermoy and Mitchellstown and something that is happening tonight and this is in Bandon this is from the this is Bandon Facebook page and it might be of interest to people in the area because if you're from there, you'll well know the St. Peter's Church. They ring their bells every, they have various occasions of why they ring them. I suppose New Year's is one of them and, and so many other. But tonight, and they're fantastic. If you know the church, they make a beautiful sound those bells do from St. Peter's. But tonight at seven o'clock, St. Peter's Church, they will be joining churches right across Cork City and County. And they will be ringing the bells in St. Peter's to support the people of Ukraine. Everyone is welcome to come in and join and stand in and around the church if you wish and that message uh, was originally from Reverend Dennis McCarthy of St. Peter's Church in Bandon so uh, if you're in and around the Bandon area St. Peter's Church tonight will be uh, ringing the bells along with others in, in Cork City and County all in support of the people of Ukraine and just to mention two more that have come in to us uh, first of all a quiz night in aid of the Red Cross Ukraine appeal that's going ahead tomorrow night Friday at 9 o'clock in O'Brien's Bar on Connolly Street in Clonakilty and 
the gang in Mill Street at Mill Street GAA they are having a collection for Ukraine that's going on from 12 to 3 and that's to on Saturday so Saturday the 5th of March from 12 to 3 is where a collection will take place for the Ukraine appeal there at Mill Street GAA a lot more of those coming in we'll get across them during the morning here in the show but our lines are open if you were organising something you can let us know you can email Cork today at c103.ie or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 but we are uh, going to go live um, to Eugene O'Sullivan next who's originally from Bantry now living in Ukraine we'll chat with him next on the latest there on the ground Record today on C103 text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 over 2,000 civilians have been killed according to Ukrainian emergency services as war continues in the country 1 million Ukrainians have left according to the UN making land mainly in Poland a local man from Bantry, Eugene O'Sullivan, remains in Ukraine and he joins me for an update since we spoke to him on Monday. Good morning to you, Eugene. Uh, morning, John Paul, and good afternoon to you from the uh, Kanta in Ukraine. Now, a lot of people have been asking how you are since we spoke on Monday. What are things like there on the ground where you are in the Kanka? Where I am, it's okay at the moment so far, but for how long, we don't know. You have seen all the carnage in, in other cities. And uh, once Harkov, which is east of me, is finished, the city that I go to, which is Poltava, will probably be the next city to be taken on. Will there be a ceasefire in between? Hopefully there are talks today, but talks are one thing. A ceasefire is another thing. And we have heard of those talks last week and many were hopeful that something would come out of those talks. They have not. So, again, talks today, we'll have to wait and see if anything will come out of those. If they don't, I mean, what is your plan? You initially said to us that you had food and water supplies for, for two weeks. Uh, what's your current situation, given that nearby cities now, you know, one was under attack, another could be? Yeah, we, we are OK. Uh, we have enough food here uh, for now. Uh, if we come under siege, well, I can't tell you that. But um, I would be a pretty good survivor. And you um, were you were telling us about the the food shops and other areas. Some were open, some were closed. Are, are shops totally closed now where you were in your location? Yesterday I was downtown here and it was busy enough. Food shops were open and pharmacies. Everything else was closed. And how are stocks in those shops? Uh, some had stocks. Uh, others were low in some places. The problem is they can't get supplies uh, from some of the areas where the warehouses are because uh, there's checkpoints on roads and uh, there can be Russian military in places as well. And what is your plan then, Eugene? I mean, you say you can't survive, but if, if, if the worst comes to the worst, I mean, uh, you, you were telling us on Monday that you would not leave Ukraine uh, as it's safer to stay where you are. If supplies run out, uh, how will you find yourself then? I mean, is there a group of people there that you can all stay together? Or what, what, what is your plan? Well, we, 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 we will survive. There's no problem like that. Um, the, only way, the only fear you have is that when they were coming to an area, they, they start shelling the building. You're down in the basement, the building collapses, and it's trying to dig your way out. That's the worst fear. And, I mean, when you mention that there, I mean, uh, does that frighten you, the thought of that? 
do what you've got to do mm. in a situation that you find yourself in. And you were saying to us regarding communication that internet was breaking up in many areas uh, where you were. I mean, I mean, what is communication like now? It's, it's steady at the moment when we're talking to you this morning, but what's it been like for the last two or three days? It's OK where I am, but in the cities, in a lot of the cities where all the shelling is, it's, it's gone, all the uh, infrastructure has been taken out. Um, two, two evenings ago here, the internet went off uh, it was hacked by Russian hackers. And my wife got a text saying to support the invasion and anybody who was um, signed up to that internet provider, they all got text saying to support the in, uh, invasion and that you'll be liberated soon and that we hope to have this in, invasion over as quickly as possible. So obviously it was a Russian attack on on the internet service there when you get a message like that. Well, it took 16 hours before they got it back. It didn't working. But remember, um, I was told that Russian um, hackers and uh, powers that be of the Russian Federation are monitoring every call and um, any internet activity from Ukraine, especially going outside the state of Ukraine. So as we talk to you, you're more than likely to be monitored So, in, in what you're saying. Well, that's what we're taught by the, the authorities here. Mm. And to be careful what you say, they say. Yeah, and speaking of activity and, and, and what you're preparing for, is there any activity where you were? Have you have you heard uh, of of explosions nearby? We have spoken to others who, in the distance, can hear explosions, and many are planning on on leaving. They say the the easiest way, even though you were saying on staying, but the easiest way is uh, by train. Uh, what what's the, outside your area? Have you are you able to hear anything, or what's the atmosphere like where you are? Yes, on Sunday I walked down through the, the town here and I could hear it's like taps of thunder in the distance. There are actually explosions. Um, I would suspect that they were happening in Harkov City, which is about an hour and a half from me here. And the same to the north of the, in, in a city called Somi. As regards um, going out of here, you can forget about it. Anybody thinking of getting out of here... <laughs> I think is absolutely crazy because of the queues and the situation in, in West Ukraine. If you can get out, great. If you want to get out, you should have left last Thursday morning. Because yesterday evening, I was speaking to a man who's from County Louth. He left here last Thursday morning, and he hopes to cross the border today with his wife, 18-year-old daughter, and his 86-year-old mother-in-law. So a full week of travelling for him? A full week of travelling and waiting at the border to get get into Poland. And we are seeing those queues at the border. I mean, we're, we're seeing the footage on TV there from people who were uh, leaving Ukraine. And Poland is the, what we're seeing here, the majority of where people are queuing to get uh, into the EU. And as you mentioned, there are many are... are are there, many are not. Many feel that we've spoken that they're going to stay in Ukraine because they feel it's their home. They did not start the war. Why should they leave? Uh, and while you are going to remain, I, I mean, uh, it's something that people worry about. And I have a number of, of texts and WhatsApps from people uh, from all over court, with many who know you who say that they worry for you. I mean, I, I'm sure you're conscious of that as well. But you, you're with your family there too. Yes, you, you, you have to do what you've got to do. I cannot walk out of here and leave family behind, that means you're a complete cause and you're only just out for yourself. So there's that, that's the situation you find yourself in. 
But another thing I was talking to last night was with my wife. I just said to her, how are we going to manage all the Ukrainian people coming into Ireland? We already have 9,000 of our own people homeless. And I did hear Minister Coffey and the all Martin saying that if people open the doors of their own houses and see if they could accommodate some families. But I said, well, some families are already struggling trying to pay their own bills as it is. And I said, the only way out of it is that people will have to just live in containers. We just don't have the accommodation. And uh, you just have to put them into a self-contained unit where they can be maybe placed alongside uh, some person's dwelling house, a dwelling house who wants to take people like that. No, uh, nobody or nothing should be forced on anybody. It should be of their own free will. Yeah, well, in fairness, a lot of people here are willing if they have uh, a lot of rooms in their homes. We have had people whereby their sons or daughters have moved out and they have spare rooms and they're willing to take people in uh, for as long as they need to. Uh, but do you feel that any any people that we speak to who were fleeing Ukraine, that they say this is temporary, they will return? Uh, can you see that happening from, I mean, I, I know you're saying there's pressure put on people uh, to take in those who are leaving, but I'm, I'm sure many people would want to return to Ukraine. They may want to return, but the problem is what's left for them may be nothing for them to come back to. That's the problem. And it could be a number of years. I know many people, I know many people here that are very, very well-to-do people. But you can imagine, John Paul, last Thursday morning when this war started, nobody, some people did expect it. I didn't expect it. My wife didn't expect it. We thought it was just playing, playing politics was what was going on. They just had to grab their suitcase in Kiev and pack as much as they could into it, into it, jump in their car, and drive westward. Leave everything behind. Walk out of your house. Leave everything. Even if you have a beautiful apartment or a beautiful house, you just have to walk everything. You have to just get out. It made no difference. What was in your bank account? How many cars you had? What kind of luxury you lived in? You just had to get out. And Eugene, for you now, I mean, what lies ahead over the next 24, 48 hours or the next week, depending on, on what's going to happen? I mean, you're staying push uh, where you are. So, I mean, have you, you said you will survive. What's your plan to keep going if food supplies do run out or, or, or have you a plan for the next week or so? If things remain yeah, as we, they are. We, we do have other reserve food here as well. Um, so, um, look, we, we will survive. Um, that's, I, I think positive that's it yeah yeah and that's all you can do uh, in a case like this Eugene uh, can I wish you the very best at the moment uh, where you are and to your family there uh, in Ukraine uh, stay safe stay in touch and a lot of people on phones text and whatsapp are wishing you the best Eugene and we will uh, touch base with you again next week uh, but for the moment yeah. you mind yourself there and stay yeah. safe just before I go I yeah. just would like to say thanks to your former engineer John Cahill sending me a very, very nice message. Oh, John. And, uh, yeah, John, who, who yeah. was an engineer here with yeah. us for, for many years. Johnson Carroll, of course, still, still works with us here. Are you yeah. getting a lot of messages like that then from people abroad who may not be living in Ireland, but as John is in America, yeah, yeah, does yeah. that help you when you receive yeah. messages like that? Yeah, get, getting a huge amount of messages, but just for people like listening, WhatsApp does not work on my phone just in case they were sending any WhatsApp messages. Mm-hmm. And just two other people, and I, I leave you then, John Paul, because there's other people like to get in. I also want to wish that young boy, he came from this area, the little lad that has, uh, that's going for the cancer treatment. Yes, in, in Ballady Harbour, yeah. Yes, and I wish him the very, very best of luck. And I wish that his treatment will be successful. And hopefully and, it will be. Uh, just a, 
Yeah, and just to thank Danny Collins, Council Danny Collins for last Saturday night sending me a text saying he could he could do anything he would, and also to his brother Michael Healy. I'm not praising politics, but just like to thank them and uh, appreciate their concern. Okay, Eugene, for the moment, as I have said, will you mind yourself anyhow, stay safe. We'll touch base with you next week, but uh, across the weekend, do look after yourself and your family there in Ukraine. No problem. Take care, John Paul. Take Bye. care. Thanks Thank you. That is Eugene there joining us live from Ukraine, uh, from Dikanka, where he is with his family. Uh, and that's the first time experience. And he's just staying positive and in a situation where he is. That's uh, what, what, what is keeping him going uh, at the moment. Uh, we're going to hear from people who have moved to Ireland from Ukraine 19, 20 years ago or living here in the Cork area. But they have family uh, who remain in various cities in Ukraine. We'll speak uh, with people who are in that situation next. And your views are welcome. 0818103103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818103103. As so many countries opened their doors to Ukrainians fleeing war, a group of Ukrainians living here in Cork, they're trying to compile a list of accommodation offers. We'll have details later. Uh, but one of those involved in this group uh, joins me because Tatiana Volkova uh, is living in Kinsale. Uh, she's looking to help as many people as possible that are travelling uh, from Ukraine to Ireland. Uh, but first of all, Tatiana, thanks for joining us. And just uh, tell us your own background first here. No problem at all. Just first of all, tell me your own background. You arrived to Ireland 19 years ago, wasn't it? That's right, yes. Um, I came to Ireland and um, I work in visa and I, I ended up married an Irishman and uh, settled really well. have three Irish kids, actually Cork kids. We are based in uh, County Cork in wonderful town Kinsale and um, yeah, so I have half of my life in Ukraine and half of my life now in Ireland. So you're well settled here now into Ireland. But uh, in, as you mentioned, from the Ukraine, you obviously have family. Uh, whereabouts are the family at the moment in the Ukraine? Well, luckily for myself and my family at the moment, my, we are based in the west of Ukraine, which haven't been hit heavily. However, we have uh, many of our army personnel and our volunteers that um, go mostly from Western Ukraine to fight in Kyiv, in Kharkiv, in any other parts of Ukraine that are need our support. Um, we've lost our, our, our country back in Vivna, where, and our, our, my hometown. We've lost our dear friend, Taras Kozlishin. Just last Friday now, he was fighting near Kyiv which it was very, very huge loss for our city. He was buried yesterday. Uh, my sister in particular is best friend with Taras, have been best friend with Taras and his family. He has three small kids. So my, I had to make a call to my father as well and to tell him, which was very sad. My father is now coming to 75 years old. And for him to learn that uh, young boys are giving their lives in absolutely unnecessary war is very, very um, tragic, very, very, very dramatic um, it's, it's very, it's very surreal, uh, JP. You know, I, I, I waking up every morning and I think it's like, it's like certain movie that never ends. It's very difficult to uh, grasp and comprehend what uh, happening with this war. 
And when you mentioned there that you know people who are fighting in this war, fighting for the Ukraine, you describe one of them and, and your friends being killed. I mean, it just must be awful to be here in Ireland and, and hearing and, and receiving those phone calls. Oh, listen, I have, on the morning when I learned that Taraz died, I looked at my husband and I just said to him, you're going to learn something new about your wife? I said, I know I'm a mother. I know I have three children myself here in Cork that needs me. But all I want to do is just go back and be in my hometown, sitting in the basement and hugging my, my friends. Because it's very, very difficult. You feel very helpless. You have very helpless. However, Ukrainian community got together here in Ireland, in Dublin and in Cork alike. And I'm a member of Ukrainian community in Cork. And we're doing our best. We learn as we go. We're organizing ourselves. Some of us never met ever in our lives. Some of, our, some of us met before, but saw each other briefly. County Cork is very big. We spread all over the place. Some of us here five years, some of us 10 years, some of us as long as myself, 18 to 20 years. And we have families, we have lives. So as, as Irish people, I had to uh, do still pancakes Tuesday. I still had to drive my kids to school and collect them from school, you know. But in the meantime, I feel, I just thought one, for one second that it's Thursday. And I realized, oh my God, last Thursday I was traveling to Dublin to catch a plane to go to Lisbon. We had a family weekend in Lisbon for a couple of nights and because it was start of the midterm break. So myself and my husband, the kids, were, you know, enjoying sunny Lisbon for a couple of days and Friday and Saturday last weekend. What happened in between last Thursday and this Thursday is incredible. I feel that it's not only changed my life. I feel that I, I lived months and months for the last six days. The, the amount of... Um, presence that, I, that I've been showing now between the UCC have uh, solidarity uh, with Ukrainians. Uh, we, 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 ha- we were showing our presence. We were at the Grand Parade on uh, God, I can't even now remember when it was now, I think last Thursday. And then we were at the Grand Parade again in Lucy's Park today, put an Ukraine flag with our Cork City Mayor Colm uh, Kelleher which was fantastic to see the Cork people uh, coming and support us. Fantastic. I cannot say thank you enough to Irish community. I cannot say thank you enough to Polish community. They are doing so much work now with uh, all the refugee and uh, all the donations and also also housing. That is absolutely, we are so overwhelmed. And we learn, we learn actually, not daily, we learn by hour what to do. We suddenly turn from go pick up your kids and go to work telling to our bosses in work, uh, I, I'm taking a sick day and I need to do my duty as a Ukrainian citizen and I need to protest, I need to email, I need to... I have the most incredible phone calls over the last few hours in my whole life. I'm talking now like to people in consulates, people in um, government. And it's just uh, bizarre because when you're just ordinary citizen, it's something that you never thought you're going to wake up and start doing. Totally. Um, and we're receiving calls here from people who wish to donate one way or another and also who have spare rooms in their homes. You mentioned accommodation there and they, they're willing to take in people who are fleeing the Ukraine into their homes. So you can see the generosity that is coming out across the country for Ukraine. Yeah. Housing JP would be actually something that I literally volunteered myself to last night. And at the moment from Ukrainian community in Cork, we have three people, including myself, that are trying to contact and found some organization to work with. I have sent a text now to Irish 
Red Cross this very this morning, and I left my details um, because we can offer clearly language, we can offer uh, our time, and myself and many of uh, my other friends in Cork, Ukrainians in Cork, we not only fluent, semi-fluent in English, we are completely fluent in Ukrainian. We also can speak Russian because some of the people coming from the east of Ukraine, they are uh, Russian speaking. So we can uh, offer that support and backup, but I am actually spending the morning this morning to try to see how to coordinate and who I, because people taking at the moment, uh, Ukrainian people from Dublin airport, bring them to the house. And I'm not sure how, uh, as I was talking to uh, Colin Kelleher this afternoon, the way I understood the government at the moment don't have direction as to how we're supposed to do this. So uh, sometimes governments are quite slow to do anything. And I think they can't really do that because they have housing issues with their own Irish citizens. So it's complicated when politics get involved, which is absolutely completely different topic for another day. I suppose at this point we want to stop war and at this point we want to support those who've been um, displaced and uh, we need to rehouse them. Yeah, totally. And you mentioned there when you spoke about your family in West Ukraine that you have cousins and they're within Kiev at the moment, which we have seen is continuing to be targeted by the Russian military. We saw the TV tower being hit yesterday evening. I mean, you'll be very familiar with the pictures there and seeing pictures like that when you're here, you must worry then about your cousins who remain there. And a lot of people are remaining in the city. You know, it, 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 we, we, at the moment, Ukrainian people in Ireland are think running on adrenaline at myself. I, I have no idea what date is. I have no idea what dates are, are those. Like, I, I literally forget my, my ch- child had reminded me last night that she missed her piano because I didn't even know what day it was, you know, because I'm waking up in the middle of the night. Ukraine is two hours ahead with Ireland. And I realized, oh, my God, I slept. It's two o'clock. It's already 4 a.m. In, in Ukraine. I need to check. How was the bombing? How many casualties we have? Text my cousin, text my other cousin. And it's incredible to, I literally were texting her about that, uh, that there is a, that we have information or the rumor has it that there's going to be towers, going to be hit, communication is going to be hit. And I said, would you move from Kyiv even to the Western Ukraine, which is safer at the moment? And uh, last time my cousin just replied, no, my son is here, my mother is here, we're staying put, we're staying in our apartment. And they're actually up high, they want, in one of those buildings that, you know, they're up high, but they're going and they're sleeping in the basements. You know, uh, we have children for the last six days in, in my region, in Rina, we have 20 boys and 22 girls born into the war environment. It's something very, it's like a nightmare that never ends. You know, it's very, very difficult to comprehend and explain. You know, um, you really, we really do run on adrenaline for the last number of days, um, G. Uh, yeah, it's difficult. And I, another, my cousin, he is also from Western Ukraine, and I was asking worried about his daughter is just a year younger than my eldest son. She's 14. And I was asking him, does he, they need to flee? Are they okay? Because Ireland opened their doors. All the year would open the doors. I have no single friend who fled Ukraine as yet because, uh, first of all, my cousin, he's 55. He is a pizza maker. He's an ordinary fella. He hasn't 
such a gun now since he was 18 last time when he was in the army and he sent me his selfie in uniform in completely he after taking a gun and volunteering for supporting the country and he says yeah i definitely come but we first gonna win this war the patriotism and you of ukrainian people the camaraderie they literally fighting for their lives everything like from our president in ukraine down to every citizens the stories that we hear daily is so inspiring so um unbelievable um and it's very very difficult to explain really because we we, we still wake up and brush our teeth and go to school and go to work and of course we are aware we see images but they still not 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 here you know they, they, they we don't feel them of course, because you you can see your home place. You know you have loved ones there, and you have friends there. So it's it's the images that we're seeing, but it's impacting yourselves a lot more. And we can only imagine uh, what yourselves and others are going through. Uh, Tatiana, for the moment, I appreciate you taking time out to chat with us this morning. Uh, the very best of luck to you and all your family and your cousins there in Kiev. I hope everybody remains safe, and thanks to all those who contributed to the collections and for you. Uh, involved in those as well so the very best of luck to you I appreciate that JP thank you so much very good morning to you JP in for Patricia until one and a lot of calls and comments in on the conflict in Ukraine and also on Alan leaving the Alan Keddy that is leaving the Labour Party as leader he remains as a TD uh, we have views on that very shortly they're welcome to Bernie on our comment line 0818103103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and on what we spoke about before 11 o'clock there were both Eugene who's in Ukraine and also to Tetlana, who is living in Kinsale, but has family who remain in West Ukraine and within the city of Kiev. On that, and from many, a lot of calls in, by the way, on those discussions we had, and a lot of people so upset hearing what is happening on the ground, and from those who have family who live here in Ireland but have family in Ukraine. First of all, uh, good morning to Christy on WhatsApp, who says, JP. No words can describe the catastrophe that is happening within Ukraine. The reality is that the powers that be dragged their feet and allowed this to happen. The Russians should not have been allowed to freely enter Ukraine. Putin seized an opportunity, says Christie, that presented itself to invade before the West got their act together and faced him up. Obviously, Putin saw the prospect of NATO moving into Ukraine and he moved before that happened and the West were blind to that. Uh, my opinion, says Christie, is that if Trump was in power, this invasion would not have happened as he would oppose NATO moving into Ukraine, says Christie on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and on people opening up their homes to those who were moving and fleeing the conflict and coming to the EU and to Ireland. Mary Inrathkul is a widow. She's living alone. She's on her pension. She's getting the living alone allowance, but she's asking, as many people are, if they took in someone to their home, would she lose that allowance? Now, that hasn't been clarified by government officials, as far as I can see. We'll check that out, Mary. First of all, you would hope there would be a waiver in that situation, but we will uh, check that out. But you would hope they would have some type of waiver in a situation like that, because Mary has two spare bedrooms and she would love to take in someone. Uh, But she said she did lose out on her living alone allowance to 
two years uh, of that because her daughter moved in uh, to look after her during the height of the pandemic. So she's fearful that would happen again. Uh, as I said, you would hope that as they are asking people for help, that they would have some type of waiver system in place for this. But I haven't heard anything official on that as yet. So we will uh, check that out. And John in Cove uh, is saying fair play to Eugene, who we spoke with earlier just after 10 o'clock for staying in Ukraine to mind his family. Our government are asking people to open their doors, says John in Cove. But he's asking, will any of the politicians open their doors? Will Michael D open up the Auris uh, to those who are arriving here to our shores, asks John in Cove. And there's a number of appeals as we have been calling out over the last number of days. Here is another one and this is in Bandon that there's going to be a collection for financial donations this coming weekend in the Riverview Shopping Centre in Bandon. Now they say your financial donation will help our Red Cross teams that are on the ground to provide those affected uh, with food, medicine, shelter and indeed water. And with your support, we will assist those who are displaced by conflicts and that is happening in the Riverview Shopping Centre across the weekend. That's coming in from Sharon Ryan, who's secretary of the Bandon branch of the Red Cross. And we have another text or WhatsApp there earlier. It's gone now from my screen. Uh, but I know there's a, a number of people who have been in touch asking uh, for more financial donations than more clothes. And here it is. This is Olga, uh, who is originally from Ukraine. And she's just heard that there are collections going on that we've been calling out. She's asking people to, uh, not to send clothes. Uh, Olga says it's packed. We need medication, hygiene products for children and financial support. Uh, all this is now needed. Uh, there is a number of uh, collections underway, but at this stage, Olga says uh, not to send clothes. And we've had heard that over the last day or so that uh, what's going now uh, to Ukraine is packed and going along to the, the borders. Uh, they, they more or less are full. So it's a lot of medication, hygiene products and financial assistance now is more so required. And a lot of those collections are finishing up some yesterday and more today and Friday. Uh, thank you. Olga for your WhatsApp to 0862103103 and to the Labour Party and we'll speak very shortly with our political correspondent Sean Defoe on Alan Kelly who has departed as a leader of the Labour Party. He still will remain with them as a TD uh, but on that John in the city says the Labour Party will never recover no matter who was leader feels John they were the original Workers Party but John feels now that Sinn Féin has stolen their place and that they won't recover over what has happened over the years. While Michael is in Castletown Bear, good morning to you, Michael. And Michael says the sudden departure of Alan Kelly comes as no surprise. He certainly wasn't one, hence he was pulled up halfway around. There are not many leadership qualities available to Labour. But Michael says after winning her by-election, I said that Ivana Bacic could be a runner to replace Michael D in the park as she had all the qualifications without fear of contradiction. Today, she has to be a leading contender to lead the Labour Party. She would greatly enhance and grow the Labour Party, says Michael. And Michael says you could see three women leaders in the Doyle in a short time. Mary Lou, Ivana and Helen McAtee have no doubt they would reshape Ireland. Interesting 
interesting times ahead, says Michael in Castletown Bear. And Christy Kelly in Tippeglanton says, JP, I'm not a Labour Party supporter, but in my opinion, I consider Sean Sherlock to be worthy of the leadership. He is the only likeable and pleasant Labour TD, says Christy. His father, Joe, before him was also a genuine, hard-working politician. Well, we'll find out who is more than likely going to succeed Alan Kelly and Alan Kelly will remain as leader of the Labour Party until a replacement is found. But your views are welcome. Maybe you are a supporter of the Labour Party. Who would you like to see uh, be the next leader? Uh, if Anna Batchik is the, the the one that's been mentioned and the one that's been spoken about, uh, but would someone like Sean Sherlock be a better fit? Uh, here, Sean, of course, from Cork East, from Ballow. Uh, your views are welcome. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And to something totally different, how many of you would sit back and have over the last 37 years watched the Australian soap Neighbours? A lot of talk over the last few weeks on Neighbours and unfortunately if you are a fan it's official it's coming to an end after almost 37 years uh, initially the news broke when Channel 5 in the UK announced last month that they would stop airing the show uh, but no new broadcaster has been found with the most out of finance coming to fund the show that comes from the UK uh, Channel 5 used fund a lot of the Neighbours production along with uh, Network 10 in Australia uh, but as Channel 5 have pulled out it leaves Fremantle the production company without another TV station to fund it and after searching for the last more than a month nearly at this stage uh, they have found no one and it seems now that the soap is coming to an end I mean it launched the careers of Kylie Minogue Jason Donovan and many more and it seems now they're all very tight lipped on this but as they now prepare for the final episode it would seem and Jason Donovan hasn't he's been asked but he hasn't denied but he hasn't really expanded on it you could see Kylie and Jason uh, on their roles within uh, the soap back in the day uh, that they will be uh, making a comeback. Also other favourites from the 90s making a comeback to the show. So you could see a situation where a show that's been axed uh, could have huge viewership on its last week which is always the way. Anyhow, maybe you're not a fan, maybe you are a fan, maybe you don't care but something different on the Thursday morning on Neighbours at this stage uh, will be finishing up this summer uh, probably the end of the year here in Ireland. 0818 103 103 our lines are open your views are welcome or you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 on the way though we'll be hearing about the resignation yesterday from Alan Kelly from the Labour Party as leader our political correspondent Sean Defoe joins us next Record today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103 Alan Kelly has said he was surprised to lose the support of his party this week. The Labour leader has resigned after less than two years at the helm. His fellow TDs and senators moved against him this week after internal questions about Kelly's performance with no signs of progress in the polls. Our political correspondent Sean Defoe was at Linster House last night. A very good morning to you, Sean. Morning. Uh, first of all, for many outside of Labour, this came as a shock and Alan Kelly himself was quite emotional uh, making this announcement yesterday evening. 
Yeah, very much so. Uh, I think it all came to a head really in the last week rather quickly. So there has been grumblings, I suppose, about Labour's uh, performance at the polls for, for quite a long time. And I mean, Brian Kelly was hugely emotional at the time. He spent a long time campaigning to be Labour leader, probably more time campaigning to try and get that job than he did actually in it in the end. Uh, and I think first of all for himself, quite a long uh, and a successful career. He couldn't have predicted that it would be mired certainly by COVID-19 that he wouldn't be able to get out and about in the way that he wanted to. He wanted to do sort of a tour of the country and then reinvigorate the grassroots sort of a thing but just wasn't able to, to happen because of COVID but he, he certainly thought that he had um, more time to do that and would be given some time uh, after the pandemic to sort of try and reinvigorate the party at least be given an election cycle but ultimately it was those who had supported him for the leadership who, who turned to him in the last week there was um, some disconcertation in the party around the, the appointment of a, a kind of a background official how that was handled but also to I suppose how Kelly had handled himself over the last while his own personal performance the lack of any movement from the party and the fact that uh, a lot of people still judge them and see them in the context of the 2011 to 2016 government that austerity government is the image people have of of labor and that they think that now it is the time to maybe shuffle off as many people who are involved in that government as they can and maybe put a new face forward and you mentioned there about that time in government I mean that is what people remember them for this morning on text and WhatsApp the majority of people going back to those years they were in government and also uh, the shock I suppose factor is that Alan Kelly may have given some good performances within the Dáil and he had as many political commentators are saying a certain swagger about him that gave him that air of confidence so for this to happen and him showing his emotional side really took people back and those TDs who ousted him being named this morning in the papers I mean they obviously knew what was happening behind the scenes for this to take place. Yeah, well, I mean, it was, look, it was no secret that obviously the likes of Aon O'Reardon and Jed Nash obviously campaigned against Alan Kelly. They tried to put Aon O'Reardon forward and it was quite a close vote at the end. It was 55-45 when it went to the membership. So it's not like it was an overwhelming victory for Alan Kelly uh, two years ago. But those who had supported him, Duncan Smith, uh, who had been the election agent for um, Ivana Bacic's by-election and then also Sean Sherlock, obviously, the, the GD, and Mark Wall as well, the Labour senator. They were the ones who delivered the news to Alan Kelly last week week that he had lost, or certainly earlier this week, that he had lost the confidence of the parliamentary party and that it was time to go. And that really was curtains when those who had supported him through things eventually turned their back on him. I think Anna Kelly was probably the best performing Labour TD, certainly when it came to media and all performances over the last couple of years. He was very strong on cervical check in the last stall. He'd been quite strong on some manners of uh, of COVID-19 and the different regulations in this ball and very much one of their best performers. But they, that wasn't translating to any sort of a nudge in the polls. You couldn't really look at any constituency at the minute if the election were held tomorrow where there is an easy win or a guaranteed win for Labour and there are some TDs who will be in jeopardy of their seats, including potentially Ivana Batic. I mean, she's being put forward as the sort of phase complete leader, maybe with Duncan Smith as the other option, but you couldn't say that Dublin Bay South hasn't thrown up surprises in the past that would see her not elected. So, it, look, it's a very it's a difficult for the party. I think it's a really big gamble. I think it's a big gamble not to have given given him even one election. As Alan Kelly pointed out last night, he's never lost an election either internally within the Labour Party or externally since becoming leader. There were five elections, four Shannon ones, and Labour won all of them. And then the Dublin Bay South by-election less than a year ago, which elected Ivana Batchik, who may now replace him.
And her, his replacement, which could be Ivana, or indeed maybe somebody else within Labour, such as Duncan Smith, who was initially mentioned. Now, Ivana Batchik is the favourite. I mean, they will then have to reform the party. They are the ones, as restrictions are lifted, that will have to go out and meet the members of Labour because that's something that Alan Kelly did allude to. He blamed the pandemic as he could not reform and, I suppose, revive the Labour Party due to the various restrictions over the last two years. Yeah, and that's one of the things that kind of surprised me about all of this is that no, like normal politics was suspended, certainly for a year and a half. It sort of returned in the last six months as we've been exiting out and, and through the Omicron wave. But politics is normal, but totally suspended. I think like the, the reading that people were doing into polls at that time was totally worthless because we were in this sort of strange scenario and Fine Gael got this huge boost from being in government at first and then that tapered off. And of course, the smaller parties like Labour were never going to make any huge, massive progress in that time. Perhaps they, they thought they were, but the, the reality is uh, they weren't. So he never really got that solid run into an election campaign and I think he would have been quite good during an election campaign because of the style of campaigner that he is and he is that kind of firebrand that bombastic he gets you know the old angry Allen AK-47 sort of a, a personification comes back and in a debate format with say Mary Lou McDonald and Leo Varadkar I think that would have been um, quite the quite the campaign that they, they could have run but they've obviously decided to go away from that you have to remember when Alan Kelly was elected they didn't really have a huge amount of other options particularly if they wanted to as some in the party did to try and get away from that memory of 2011 to 2016. All of their options for um, for the leadership were former ministers from that particular government, except for Duncan Smith, who had been brand spanking new elected. You couldn't put him in the leader straight away. Now that has changed. They have Ivana Batchik, who wasn't a member of that government, who's been around a long time as a senator, so it probably has the advantage on Duncan Smith in that sense, as in she's their longest-serving, uh, with the exception of Brendan Howland, the longest-serving parliamentarian for them. Um, and perhaps would move Labour more towards their roots of, say, social justice, of social campaigning. But again, then you have to question, you know, is she to, to Dublin, the sort of Dublin middle-class uh, lawyer, senator? Does that appeal to Labour voters perhaps in rural Ireland, or do they need to accept that the only votes that they're going to get are probably going to be in more left-leaning urban centres? So it's an interesting conundrum for them. I'm not sure if it's going to pay off. And I think if anyone in Labour thinks this is going to lead to a short-term and bounce or, you know, suddenly a very quick turnaround that, that they're probably mistaken. Yeah, and I mean, Labour facing more pressure then from newer parties that have emerged over the last two or three years, uh, no more so than the Social Democrats. I mean, wasn't it at one stage they were looking at maybe combining both those parties? That did not happen, but Social Dems really are knocking at their support group. Well, it, it's always been a kind of talking point around Leinster House. Will they merge? When will they merge? There are some in Labour who think it's just natural that obviously the Sock Dems will merge back into Labour, having initially been been founded, I suppose, as a splinter with Roisin Shorthall leaving the Labour Party and going on to, to co-found the Social Democrats. Within the Social Democrats, they think of the sort, they see Labour as a, sort of the Titanic. They're a sinking ship. They're the old guard that, that you know couldn't be trusted in government and they want nothing to do with them, whereas the Social Democrats are on the bounce. I think the only... Thing that may change that calculus is is the timing of the next election. If this government goes to full term and you're talking about 2024, 2025, I'm not convinced and I, I don't think both Roisin Shorthall and Catherine Murphy will run again. I'm not sure what their desire to still be TDs into their late 70s uh, is, even though they both had very distinguished careers. And then you get into a potential leadership vacuum within the Social Democrats. Do they keep those seats? Are they personal votes? All sorts of questions. But look, I, I don't, the 
disappointed. I don't see that happening before the next election. I think Labour is going to have to do some serious reforming internally of its public image before any party would really touch them with a barge bowl. And Alan Kelly himself, while he's leaving as a leader of the Labour Party, he does remain with the party and remain as a TD for Tipperary. So he will still be within Dáil Éireann and within Labour. Uh, so he'll still be active within the party. Yeah, and he says he'll run again as well. He will contest the next election and if the people in Tipperary haven't continue on at TD the, the Labour aren't without form when it comes to that obviously Brendan Howden stayed on Joan Burke tried to stay on but lost her seat and you know, the likes of Rory Quinn and Pat Rabbit as well even after the leaders they've gone on to have quite long dull careers and even ministerial How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. ...careers after that. It was sort of an open question. I wondered with someone, I mean, Anne Kelly's only 46 years old. He's not a, an old man by any stretch of the imagination, and he would have foreseen himself having a, a, you know, a long time at the helm here at the Labour Party to perhaps turn things around. Now that's been cut off at the knee. So you just wonder with someone of his ambition, will he maybe look elsewhere and look to other facets of life? In the same way, we wonder whether like the Leo Varadkar and Simon Coveney do the same when you, you achieve such relative success at such an early age, do you then perhaps look at, look towards another career? So I wouldn't be massively surprised if that's in his future. But certainly last night he was saying he's going to stay on as a TD, back the party, try to do what he can to help push that reform agenda that he didn't get to finish as leader, but still does want to see for for the party that he's a member of his whole life. 
and he did mention as well last night in a speech that politics has changed and I would presume what he meant by that was how the interactions in the Doyle have got more furious than they have been over the last number of years but also how now a lot of politics is played out on social media and that can get very defensive and also a lot of attacking can take place and things can be said on social media that aren't really of a necessity a nice uh, a niceties to various politicians I mean the game has changed a lot over the last five years well it has you have to only look at the tweets of Paul Murphy last night um, who like dancing on Alan Kelly's grave is the only way I can put it he was delighted up he has history with Labour and the whole uh, uh, the whole Jobstown protest where him, him and supporters kind of chapped John Burton in a car but he, he was basically uh, he said that Alan Kelly was one of the architects of austerity and the water charges and good riddance to him and that yesterday was a great day and um, that that's the kind of Narrative, I suppose, that creeps into politics. You see Sinn Féin doing it in a certain extent with their kind of scorched earth policy towards the government where everything is terrible all of the time and there's no sort of middle ground. But then also, members, probably I guarantee you now, if you read out all of the texts that were there, there would be some rather not flattering ones towards the Labour Party and towards Alan Kelly uh, personally. And that is changing the narrative for TDs. And speaking to them, you know, I, I don't, there's a lot of TDs that I say won't run again and will be in a relatively, you know, Alan Kelly sort of age group in their, their 40s and early 50s uh, because of the level of abuse that is there. It has ratcheted up to levels we haven't ever seen before because of the accessibility of politicians on social media and etc. And it makes them very, very. It makes it hard for them, I think, to, to stick a long career. So, I, I would wonder will Alan Kelly stick it for you know into the sixties and seventies and the way the TDs have done it in the past. And I'd say he won't be alone there. There'll be a lot of TDs who, who move on to different things that are less a bit less vicious. And you mentioned Paul Murphy there. I mean, was there other leaders within Dollar last night maybe were, were less attacking towards him on his resignation, such as of the Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, Green Party, another, and Sinn Féin? What was their view to his departure? But it happened so suddenly last night that there wasn't really a huge amount of time for reaction. And the teacher was speaking this morning saying he was surprised uh, that Alan Kelly and him, uh, resigned and thanking him for his service as party leader. He, he rang Alan Kelly this morning to have a chat with him and said that he's a uh, an effective parliamentarian and uh, not a short-term politician. I think potentially there's a, a contribution for Alan Kelly uh, to have, and I know there's a lot of surprise in Fine Gael and those who serve with Alan Kelly in government about the, the resignation last night, all kind of wondering, you know, what happened and behind the scenes and would, would have had uh, kinder words for him in that sense. I was, I was actually at a doorstep with the Taoiseach when the news broke, uh, and um, Michal Martin was sort of wondering why, with a couple of minutes left of, of, of him talking, everyone's head suddenly went down to their phones, which explained to him after, and he was, he was kind of flabbergasted, really, really surprised that this happened. So there, there were certainly more uh, conciliatory words than, than Paul Murphy would have, but he'd be on quite the, uh, the fringe extreme of opinion, I think. OK, for the moment, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Is there any timeline on when the appointment will be made for a leader of the Labour Party? It has to happen under the Labour Constitution within, I think, 45 days. So usually what would happen is that the Parliamentary Party and, and the party boffins would meet and sort of elect an interim leader. They, they may not do that this time because Alan Kelly could just continue. It's, it's not as if he's lost his seat or anything and he said he'll stay on until a leader is elected. But it, it shouldn't be too long of a process. Certainly within the month, you would expect to see that resolved and a, a new leader elected. And we'll wait and see who that will be for the moment. Sean, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme.
Thanks a million. Cheers. Thank you. That is Sean Defoe there, our political correspondent, joining us live from Linster House and that development yesterday evening. And who would you like to become uh, the leader of the Labour Party? Your views are welcome. 0818 103 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And on that, uh, a lot of people have views on what happens regarding Alan Kelly's resignation. First of all, John said, I watched the gathering of Labour TDs last night on the news. And John says, I was surprised to see Sean Sherlock at the start with a smile on his face during the interview. Labour are finished, according to John, as a party. He feels they have been taken over by Sinn Féin or they will be taken over by Sinn Féin, says John. While Ross says John Burton destroyed uh, the Labour Party, so Sinn Féin is the go-to party now for many who would have voted for Labour, says Ross on text to 086 2103 103. And Mossy is in East Cork and Mossy says, as a Labour Party member, I would love to see Duncan Smith uh, as the 14th leader of the Labour Party. Mossy feels he's young, he's energetic and he is hardworking and he would make a good leader for the Labour Party to move forward. Uh, your views are welcome. You can call us to Bernie taking those calls on our comment line 0818103103 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 on the way next. Our guard file. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818103103. And it's time for this week's guard file. I'm joined by Garda Don Davis, who is juvenile liaison officer at Bantry Garda Station. Good morning to you, Don. Good morning, John Paul. How are you keeping? I'm fine, thanks. Do you want to start this week uh, with a request for witnesses in relation to a fatal traffic accident that occurred in LEP? That's right, John Paul. On 25th of the 2nd, at approximately 11.15am to 11.30am in LEP Village, we're just looking to know that anyone witnessed this accident or by chance whether anyone has dash, dash cam footage that they may have not checked yet, just to have a look at it. And if anybody has any information, we would be delighted to hear from them. And they can contact the Gardaí at Clonakilty at 023-8821-570. And again, that was on the 25th of February, uh, roughly between 11.15 and 11.30. 11.15 and 11.30am in, in, in Lip Village. So, look, hopefully someone may, may have uh, some dash cam footage that they just may have not checked yet. So we would be delighted to hear from them, John Paul. OK, and uh, a break-in you want to discuss, and this was, uh, or did happen, in Bandon. That's right, and this is um, slightly unusual, John Paul. Um, it was a break-in at Mayfield in Bandon and on the farm premises on the 1st of March last. It took place at 1.30pm in the afternoon. And I suppose what's um, unusual here, John Paul, is that uh, there was four men on uh, that car. Two got out and tried to remove some batteries from farm machineries. When they were disturbed, they got back into their car that they arrived in and they left the scene. Now, that car was a black Ford Galaxy and the number that was on the car at the time was 07TS2093. So it was a black Ford Galaxy and it was 07 Tipperary South 2093. Now, we also believe that that car may be active in this particular area um, so we would be delighted if that's anyone may know where that car is or may have seen it acting suspiciously in the abandoned area on the 1st of March last at 1.30pm or sometime during that afternoon John Paul. Okay so information on that, uh, get in contact with Bandon Garda Station. Bandon Garda Station at 023 so that's 023 
And then you want to discuss, uh, this is regarding uh, the new census, which uh, they'll start calling to houses soon. And I suppose this is safety information because a lot of us, Don, as you'll be aware over the last two or three years, there's so many scams now doing the rounds, either by face-to-face, on your computer or on your phone. People are extra wary of whoever is calling to their home. 100% John Paul and that's that's the correct way to be I think we need to be you know over we need to overthink these for our own safety but there are genuine census enumerators which will be calling to all houses between the 2nd of March and the 6th of May so anytime over that period there will be genuinely people dealing with the census calling to all households and I suppose the advice is quite simple John Paul none of us are obliged to leave anybody into our homes okay that's the first point, okay? These people, the, the official census enumerators, will have yellow branded high-vis jackets, very clearly branded. They will have identic- identification badges with them, and they will have a satchel with Census Statistics Office, my apologies, Central Statistics Office, clearly branded on it. So these people are genuine. They're going to have to call to every house in the country. So just be aware that they are genuine. Now, if anyone has any concerns, like I said first start, do not leave anyone into your home unless you're 100% sure you know who they are. If you have any doubts whatsoever, just contact your local guard station and seek assistance. These legitimate census enumerators will not, they won't get one bit upset if you say, look, we just want to contact the local guards and make sure that you're genuine. They won't mind that, John Paul. So what we want to do is people to be over-conscious about this situation. We don't want to leave it open to anybody taking advantage of this census situation over the next number of weeks. So just to be on the, on the alert, and it was very important we felt it necessary just to bring it to people's attention. Yeah, true. And again, they will have ID. And if you're genuine, you won't be, you won't ask. If you don't ask, you go and get to. You won't be, uh, it won't be offending anybody, I suppose, if you're going to ask them for ID or ask them for proof of it identification as well so be sure you ask for all of those before you let anybody in absolutely absolutely just err on the side of caution at all times look these are very genuine people they've been guarded of it themselves they would be not they wouldn't be allowed uh, be part of this census unless they were genuine people so look just be aware there are genuine people out there but just make sure that they're the right people when they land on your door and do we know when they are due to start calling they the 2nd of March was the first date to the 6th of May, so that's quite a long period of time that they will be, I suppose, around to try and get around to all the neighbourhoods in the country. So the 2nd of March to the 6th of May. Okay, but again, you know, if you're if you're unsure, as you said, Don, double check. If you have to ring a guard station or check with the CSO, do so uh, and just be mindful of that. And finally, you want to remind people about the deadlines regarding the Garda recruitment campaign, which is underway at the moment. Just on a, finally, John Paul, absolutely. The closing date for the, the present uh, Garda recruitment campaign closes on the 16th of March. So that's that's only leaving themselves a couple of weeks. So if anyone has any interest, they can make applications through publicjobs.ie. That's how they will make their application. So they have a few weeks left. So we would encourage anyone with any interest in joining the Guards to make their application. Okay, Don, and would you encourage people to go in and join the Garda as you've uh, been in the game now? I could have put your yourself. Absolutely, John Paul. I would recommend it to anybody. It's a fantastic, I suppose, organisation. And I suppose once you're in the organisation, there's so many different roles available to, to to anybody joining. So I would highly recommend it, John Paul, to anybody. And your role as a juvenile liaison officer there, I mean, that can be very rewarding in a role like that. I was involved a few years ago within the West Cork Youth Awards run by the Gardaí. And, you know, you come across some amazing young people and people who have turned around their lives as well. 
it, it's probably, uh, you know, it's a unique position in the guards where you get an opportunity to work with uh, young people on a daily basis. Now, you know, parents normally have a responsibility for dealing with their own uh, kids, but being the juvenile liaison officer, you're dealing with young people on a daily basis. And it's it, it's it's a really privileged role within Angara Shikana. And it, at, from time to time, John Paul, it is remarkable to see the turnaround in these young people. And look, all, all it would do is encourage you to try harder with the next young person. Yeah, that's very true because there's good in everybody deep down there. There is hopefully good in everybody for the moment. Uh, Don, thank you for joining us and we'll chat with the Garda fella again next week. But thanks for joining us this morning. Thank you very much. Uh, that is Garda Don Davis there joining us from Bantry Garda Station. Our lines are open 0818 103 103. You can text or WhatsApp 086 2103 103. And your pet questions are welcome because Jane, our vet, is along after 12.30. If you have a question for Jane, a pet in your household, you have a query on, you can call Bernie now with those questions on 0818 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. There's a survey out today and this is coming from Eric's who say that Sinead O'Connor's her iconic song Nothing Compares to You that is just missed out on the top spot in the list of ultimate tearjerkers. Uh, the new survey found that R.E.M.'s Everybody Hurts is the saddest song ever written and that is then followed by Sinead O'Connor's anthem and that Eric Clapton's Tears in Heaven uh, is in third while Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You is in fourth and that survey and I'm sure many people uh, tuned in would agree with this uh, they say that half of people believe music has a big impact on their mood while 36% find that sad songs are nostalgic or bring back memories to them I think everybody would find that any song you hear uh, on the radio or wherever you're hearing it that it does bring back a memory of where you heard the song first or what you were doing or something from your school days or something of more recent Sometimes, whatever it brings back memories of, I think people would agree with that. But if you thought Sinead O'Connor's Nothing Compares to You was the top tearjerker, it's been replaced in this survey, anyhow, by REM's Everybody Hurts. Uh, maybe you have a favourite song or a favourite sad song, as they have uh, outlined there in that survey. And just for music to books, an interesting one I spotted today in the papers, and we all know. We all know this book, uh, Eden Blyton's famous five book. Everybody uh, is aware of that. I mean, it was transferred into a TV show as well for a time. Well, it has been voted the most loved children's book of all time. Uh, the new survey, which was conducted in over 2,000 adults for World Book Day, uh, which is today, they found the classic novel was a fan favourite, but it also was closely followed by the book The Lion, The Witch and The Wardrobe, along with uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, surprisingly, Harry Harry Potter, which is very popular, uh, that came in 17th place. But the famous five uh, top the most loved children's books of all time. So there you go. Our lines are open 0818 103 103. You can call Bernie. Uh, pet questions are welcome. Jane is along after 12.30 answering your uh, pet questions. Uh, Bush, if you want to text or WhatsApp, you can do that as well. 086 A lot of calls and comments in regarding our discussion there uh, with our political correspondent, Sean Defoe, on who and what should happen with the Labour Party and who should be uh, the next leader of the Labour Party. Well, uh, Vanna Bacic has been mentioned and could be uh, the next leader according to many sources this morning. But on this, uh, Texter here says uh, doesn't agree with what's coming out regarding the new leader. She says Sean Sherlock should be the new leader of the Labour Party. Up Cork is the message and Ivana has no experience and doesn't take everyone into account, says this Texter. Remember, she was one of 
the people that attended the Tapone party at Tapone Gate. Not a very good example, uh, is it, says that texter. While Joe feels that Alan Kelly did not have leadership qualities, the Labour Party lost its way. Uh, they are not the People's Party anymore. And June also agreeing with what Joe was saying there, but she says, how now are Labour going to reform themselves and become the party they once were, become the People's Party and become a party for the working people? They lost that within the last 20 years and that is why they are polling poorly. Nothing to do who was leader. It's the way they operate it, says June on text to 0862103103. Donny is in Newmarket. He feels at this stage that the Labour Party is finished. And I'm not too sure what will happen if they do just disappear, but that's Donny's view that they are just finished. While Liam is in Bruff and while people are talking about Ivana Batchik there to become the new leader of Labour, as Sean Defoe mentioned, she's very much Dublin based and do they want to move away from that or not and Dublin based South can change as it does in every election uh, well Liam Imbroff says they have centralised everything at this stage in Dublin and most of the leaders are from Dublin so they need to change that up and stay away uh, from that idea um, Liam making the point obviously the Taoiseach Michal Martin is from Cork but overall everything is centralised in Dublin and when you look at other countries across the EU or our neighbours in the UK. Uh, yes, all the parliaments are in the capital cities uh, and they do gather in London. But when it comes to companies and various operations, they are spread out across the country. You don't have everything centralised in London anymore. Uh, big companies now are moving to the likes of Manchester and Leeds and areas of Scotland, not just in London, unlike us here in Ireland, where everything is in Dublin. Uh, would you agree with Liam on that? On 0818 or you can text or WhatsApp 0862103103 and we are going to be speaking with more people who were living here in Cork originally um, from Ukraine but now living here in Cork have family in Ukraine still uh, we'll be joined by Roman after midday who's telling his story on what his family uh, are living through at the moment in Ukraine but on that a call out here for the people of Mallow uh, because at the Mallow Youth and Community Centre on the new road in Mallow they are collecting essential supplies for the people of Ukraine uh, they are organising a collection of essential items that will be delivered to a Polish school in Cork for delivery to Poland and then onwards to Ukraine uh, and for people who are in Poland from Ukraine if you would like to contribute you can do so your donation has to be to them at 8 o'clock on Friday evening and again that's to the Mallow Youth and Community Centre on New Road in Mallow before tomorrow evening Friday at 8 o'clock and items they are accepting are bandages eye drops antiseptic gels masks and gloves thermal blankets sleeping bags uh, also uh, um, wood healing creams, hygiene products for adults and children and toothbrushes and toothpaste are the items they will be collecting. That's tomorrow evening, 8 o'clock at the Mallow Youth Community Centre on the new road in Mallow. As I said, we will speak to uh, Roman who is living here in Cork from Ukraine after midday. Jane Pickett of the Ironwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will join us after 12.30. If you have a question for Jane about a pet in your household, you can call Bernie now 0818 103 103 or you can tell Text or WhatsApp 0862103103. I'm going to chat with Roman very shortly. Roman, living here in Cork for a number of years, has family in Ukraine. And he tells us of what he is doing here at the moment uh, to look after those who were moving from Ukraine into the, along the borders, into Poland and now coming to Ireland. But also 
of his family who remain in Ukraine and they say they will remain there. Uh, we'll chat with Roman very shortly on the programme and also we're going to hear, we did speak yesterday with the Body Wise because this week is Eating Disorders Awareness Week and our reporter Murray Tuick paid a visit to the Eating Disorder Centre in Cork and we'll hear about their services and more to come between now and one. But your calls and comments first of all on fuel and as we mentioned on what was happening in Ukraine and the knock-on effect for fuel prices and fuel going up anyhow as it was beforehand. Joe in Kilmallock says petrol now is at 180 per litre in Kilmallock while last week it was 170 so an increase of 10 cents in just one week says Joe in Kilmallock while Tommy says 183 for petrol last night in the city and Liz uh, who was driving around various areas of Cork this morning says at the moment it's 174 for diesel and 183 for petrol in many areas and that seems to be the average for her uh, driving across Cork this morning so many people saying as you know, as Joe's outlined there it roughly was about 170 last week and we're seeing an increase of 10 cents in a week and some areas and thanks to Michael on WhatsApp who sent us in a picture of this in areas of Dublin now they're looking at 2 euro uh, for petrol and a lot of people say that that was going to happen and it has happened in Dublin and also in parts of Meath this morning and thank you to people who were texting in pictures of that uh, to us so you know, it's probably going to happen here if it's happening in Dublin and Meath. We will see those prices hitting us here in Cork. As you can see, the examples going from 170 to 183 this morning over the course of a week. And Mossy on WhatsApp says, regarding inflation, which is rising every day, why don't OPEC or the oil producers, why don't they all increase the supply of oil and help people out on the short term and do everyone a favour? Why can't the West go after all these oil barons and these OPEC suppliers and target them to lower the prices instead of asking us, the ordinary Joe and Josephine Soap, to stump up as usual? Uh, can that be done? Asks Mossy on WhatsApp. But a lot of people will say it's down to profit and if people can make money out of this, they will. And at the moment, it's due to what is happening conflict-wise, but other measures that have been happening before that leading to these increase in prices. I heard there in the news with Barry regarding uh, the VAT and and the tax on fuel that now needs to be looked at in this country uh, especially if we're seeing two euro uh, for petrol in Dublin and Meath this morning which will filter its way right across the country and Eddie is in North Cork and he's asking is it not time for the Irish government to wake up and build up an arms supply Eddie says if they landed in Shannon we will be powerless to stop an invasion all we have is water cannons uh, says Eddie in North Cork well uh, hopefully there won't be any invasions or any war here uh, across Europe we'll have to wait and see what happens that things won't get that bad Eddie but um, Eddie feels that we should here in Ireland prepare ourselves um, arms-wise in this country. And coming to Labour and what is happening with Labour and Alan Kelly leaving as leader of the Labour Party, James in the city says, when the Labour people and members of the Labour Party and the TDs came out to make that speech yesterday in front of Leinster House, it was like the Last Supper, says James. They were with him all the way but then Birmingham as well and they all need to stop telling us how they work very hard that's what they are there for that's what they are paid to do uh, says James while uh, Mike is in Bantry and Mike feels on the new Labour leader he feels that Sean Sherlock would be the new leader of the Labour Party he feels Sean is well able uh, to become leader of Labour says Mike in Bantry and a meeting and this is on a fundraiser for the people 
in Ukraine. So it's a meeting to be held in Drumtarv Parish Hall to organise a fundraiser uh, for Ukraine. And that's going to be held, the meeting that is on Monday the 7th at 7.30pm in Drumtarv Parish Hall if you wish to go along there. Now, we spoke earlier uh, to Tatlana, who is living in Kinsale, originally from Ukraine. She was telling us of what she is doing here to help those at home and her family living in Ukraine. Roman now joins me and Roman is in a similar situation to Tatlana. A good afternoon to you, Roman. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine and thanks for joining us. You're here in Ireland. Is it two years you're here in Ireland? Yes, just about and you have family then back home in Ukraine. What part of Ukraine are you from originally? Uh, I'm originally from a town called Kropivnitsky. It's about 300 kilometers down south from Kiev. So it's in the very center of the country. And uh, all my family, literally everybody, all my family is there in Ukraine at the moment. Uh, lots of them uh, drove from different places, my aunties and my sister with her daughters, to my parents' house. And they all stay in its only tiny little house and they all stay in there together because uh, those, you know, you never know what's going to happen with the missile strikes and bombings. So uh, because it is situated in the very middle of Ukraine, up until yesterday, it was more or less quiet there. But from yesterday, they start missile uh, missile attacks on my hometown as well. So people hiding in the basements, people hiding in the bomb shelters. Uh, the airport near the town was completely destroyed. Uh, situation is, to be honest, tough and critical. So... And yeah. you mentioned your family there at home. I mean, your your aunts and sister and others moving into your parents' house. Is that because they're living in, in, in the apartments that we see on our TV screens, the high-rise apartments? Yes, yes. And those are getting hit constantly, as you can see. And, um, you know, it's... Uh, it's more dangerous to stay there. So my family, my par- my father has a small cellar. It's like two meters by two meters next to the house. So when the airstrike attacks, sirens going on, they go and sit in that cellar, little cellar to protect themselves as much as they can. Uh, like yesterday, they spent all day there. They were going uh, from 6 a.m. First attack started for a couple hours. Then they let them out. Sirens stopped and they let them out for an hour and something. Then they went back again because it was again happening. So whole day it was back and forth, back and forth. Uh, and have they yeah. enough supplies while they are in the basement? Well, they take, uh, government provides clear guidelines what you should prepare, what you should take with you, you know, what what food you should take with you because you don't know for how long you're going to be staying there. It's three liters of water per person. You should either prepare or have it already there prepared because, again, as I say, you don't know how long you're going to stay there. Uh, the rest where people go to those big bomb shelters, you know, that are provided next to the blocks of apartment buildings. Obviously, they that they have something there in terms of food and people bring their own stuff and lots of volunteers doing things, you know, cooking and stuff. Because uh, because of the the place where they are now, yeah, it's like most least bombed, let's say. Yeah, so it's safer to be there. There is lots of refugees went there from Kiev, from Kharkiv, those cities which are heavily bombed. So, of course, 
locals trying to provide and help and share some food because people run away from their homes with only one small little bag like it's not like people can take suitcases and you know pack their lives they run away to survive so and when you communicate with your family back home is are you communicating via phone or messenger or, or, or what method are you communicating we, with them we with? Use, yeah we use internet because uh, that's the fastest one and they seem to have internet it's pretty stable sometimes it doesn't work but most of the time it works so my day starts from texting them and my day ends from texting them. We constantly texting each other and trying to call each other because obviously, as you understand, if I'm getting text, we have an air strike siren going and then they don't have signal because they're in a the cellar. So I'm waiting to hear back every minute just to make sure that they are fine and that everything is okay. It must be very worrying for you, Roman, when you know there's a an airstrike, you hear the air sirens and you know they're underground and you're waiting for those texts to say that, to know that your family are safe. Yeah, it is. It is. It, it is. It's been nerve wracking for the past five days. And it's I just hope it will be over soon. I just hope they will either go away or I don't know. You know, it should be over soon. It, it, I don't think it should be even allowed to happen in 2022 in the middle of Europe, the country getting bombed and attacked by other country without any reason, really. Yeah, I think everybody would agree with you there, Roman, on that one. And your family, are, have they any intention of leaving where they are and going along to the borders like so many others, or are they going to stay put? No, they said they won't leave their own country. Uh, they said that they don't see the reason of running away because they didn't do anything wrong. Obviously, I was offering to come here and stay in my house. And the uh, situation on the borders are pretty hard on its own. I am a friend of our family. She came from London. She was visiting. She lives in London for the past 25 years. So she was visiting. She came actually for my sister's birthday, which was in 14th of February. And uh, she was staying for a few weeks. And when it all started, she wanted, obviously, to go back home to her kids in London. And it took her about three days to get there. So the situation is tough on the borders. There are so many people there trying to get away, get away, hide from the bombings. So it is, and especially now, it's dangerous to drive on the roads because you never know where they're going to come from. They are you know, popping up here and there, they throw in airborne into the fields and then they go try to attack cities. So it is, it is, it is difficult. And they, my parents said they won't go. They said they won't leave house and they won't leave Ukraine. And while things continue as they are here in Ireland, are you overwhelmed? We spoke there with uh, Tahiana early, earlier on the show on how she is overwhelmed with the collections and the amount of collections being organised across the country and now people willing to offer spare rooms in their homes for those who are fleeing Ukraine. Oh, yes, it is unreal. You know, when we moved to Ireland, uh, obviously myself being married to Irish, I might sound a bit biased, <laughs> but... Um, uh, I knew always Irish people are very kind and given and, you know, friendly. But all this situation put my my respect and my attitude towards Irish people onto a whole other different level. People are unbelievable and unreal. People of Cork in particular, people of Ireland, the whole, the whole Ireland been very helpful, been very supportive. People bring in uh, 
medication, uh, clothes for babies, nappies, formula, whatever we need asking. Yeah, there is a list of things that are uh, needed. People bringing, people calling, people asking how they help, they can help. People asking that when refugees will start coming, they will take them into their homes and help. It is simply, it's simply unreal how great and supportive people are. And we are very, 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 very much appreciated. Trust me, I'm not speaking on my own behalf. I'm speaking on behalf of all Ukrainian community in here, that everybody's saying that it is unreal how supportive people are. Well, we are inundated with calls from people who do wish to help, who have rooms that they're willing to accept those from Ukraine who are fleeing the war into their homes. And I know Alexander will give out his details later and pass it on to those who need it on the phone who who are willing to help. And he's compiling a list of accommodation offers for those who are fleeing the conflict. But for the moment, Roman, for you, uh, our best wishes to your family who remain in Ukraine and also our thoughts with you and others who are here in Ireland for the moment. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for doing what you guys doing to trying to help us. Trust me, we, are very, we appreciate it a lot. Thank you, Roman. Uh, Roman, uh, living in Cork, originally from Ukraine, and you can hear there his family remain at home. And just, I mean, imagine waiting for a text to see uh, and to hear from your family following uh, those strikes that are happening in the various cities across Ukraine. I mentioned there, Alexander, that Roman is part of that group who are compiling a list of accommodation offers for those fleeing the conflict. We will have Alexander's number here as well if you want to give us a call. But his number is 87 237-3259 and if you didn't catch that you can call us on our own number 0818103103 we have details here we can pass that on to you but they are compiling a list of offers from people if you feel you can help out those who are coming to Ireland and need accommodation short term while they remain here in this country and thanks to Roman for talking to us this afternoon our lines are open our pet questions are welcome because Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket will join us shortly. If you have a question about a pet in your household, well, our vet Jane should be able to help you. You can call Bernie now, 0818 103 103, or you can text her WhatsApp, 0862 103 103. Also on the way, uh, this week is Eating Disorders Awareness Week. We spoke with BodyWise on the programme yesterday, and very shortly, we're going to hear from the Eating Disorders Centre in Cork as demand for their services has also increased uh, since March 2020. Our news reporter, Murray Tuick, visited the centre over the last few days and we'll hear her report very shortly on the programme. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie. Kadori Community Development and Lotto Draw that's going to be held this evening at four o'clock. A jackpot for this week is €2,400. The Irish Cattle and Sheep Farmers Association, they are hosting a farmers information meeting and that's going ahead this evening at eight o'clock in the Parkway Hotel in Dunmanway. Castletown Bear Development Association, they're holding an indoor bingo that's on tomorrow, Friday and it's on at eight o'clock in the Golf Club in Castletown Bear and this week's jackpot is 1800 
800 euro. And Bantier Drama Group presents Many Young Men of 20 by John B. Keane. That's going on tomorrow, Friday, and again Sunday, the 6th of March, at the Glen Theatre in Bantier at 8.30. Bookings are available on 029 56239. Bingo goes ahead in Mallow GAA, and that's this Friday night at 8.15. The jackpot there in Mallow is 2,300 euros. And a quiz night in aid of the Red Cross Ukraine appeal that's going to be held this Friday at 9 o'clock in O'Brien's Bar on Connolly Street in Clonakilty, while the Bandon branch of the Irish Red Cross will hold a collection for financial donations for Ukrainian crisis in the Riverview Shopping Centre in Bandon and that's going ahead tomorrow Friday and Saturday Record today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 and on the Labour Party in our conversation earlier regarding Adam Kelly who's leaving as leader of the Labour Party Pat is in Bannonlock and Pat feels that Labour used to get the working class vote and that all stopped until they went into coalition and we made the point earlier that they're still Uh, paying for what happened during those austerity years and that is probably one of the reasons why the the polls showed them so low Uh, and will a new leader enhance and change Labour whoever that will be maybe so but a lot of people on text and WhatsApp feel what happened during those years of austerity that that is is why their polls are low and no matter who is in there uh, it will take a lot longer than 10 years for them to go where they were in the polls and quite a number of people on text and WhatsApp which some we did uh, call out earlier but are making the point that they feel Labour lost their vote and their voting base to the likes of Sinn Féin and Social Democrats and it's going to be very hard now to get those voters back uh, from the Social Democrats and indeed from Sinn Féin and that's coming in from Liz who is in Turner's Cross there to text and WhatsApp 0862103103 now, Eating Disorder Awareness Week, it runs until this Sunday and we spoke yesterday with Barry Murphy from Bodywise on the programme. Today we hear from the Eating Disorder Centre in the city as demand for the services provided by them is up at least 400% since March 2020. Now, historically they would have done five assessments per month and this now has risen to 25. Our news reporter, Murray Tuig, has more. It's like a life experience, really, like, it, like, confirmed that, like, what I'm doing in my, in college is going to be something I want to do with my life, you know. And I was bringing so much experience there as well. And people working there are amazing. They're just so nice. And did you expect to see, I suppose, such a demand in, in numbers and things? It was crazy. Like, even, like, working there, like, Rena, the admin, like, the phone calls she was getting, it was every few minutes. And, it, like, the waiting list was crazy, you know. And obviously you can only help so much. But um, they're brilliant. Even if they couldn't help them with, like, the therapy, sort of, there's, like, so many different services they gave to them. So there's always help out there. Even if you can't get it straight away, there's always something which is brilliant. Sarah, a psychology and social studies student at Cork College of FET, Morrison's Island campus, formerly known as Cork College of Commerce, recently did work experience with the Eating Disorder Centre Cork. Eating Disorder Awareness Week runs until Sunday. Clinical manager of the Eating Disorder Centre Cork is Erin O'Reilly. People come down on the train from Waterford, from Limerick, from Dublin, but we do Zoom therapy as well because we're the only type of eating disorder centre in the country. We don't weigh or measure when somebody comes into us. We liaise with the GP and the dietitian for that. We work mainly with the mind and the mindset. Erin says there are many ways in which people can contact the centre. So they can go onto our website, they can register on our website if they're, if they're too embarrassed to make a phone call. 
or they can pick up the phone and speak to a receptionist. They can email directly at info at edcc.ie. So there's a number of ways they can send us a WhatsApp message if they feel too embarrassed to call in. They can send us a message through Facebook, through Instagram, through Twitter, you know. So it really doesn't matter how the person makes contact once they do. Catherine Clancy is chairperson of the Eating Disorder Centre, Cork. Well, I think that's what Eating Disorder Awareness Week is about. It's about removing that stigma. And I suppose this week our real concentration is as, a, you know, Eating Disorder Awareness Week is that there is recovery and there is hope for people who have an eating disorder. And the services uh, provided by Eating Disorder Centre Cork have now been provided for nearly 13 years. Um, The services have grown. We started off with eight clients. We now have 120 clients attending. And, you know, what we have as well, which is unique to Munster, I believe, is that we have a specialised service. Each therapist that gives service in Eating Disorder Centre Cork is trained and specialises in eating disorder. And I think that's what the client who attends us needs. Lord Mayor Councillor Cullum Kelleher was on hand to launch Eating Disorder Awareness Week. You know, the stigma attached to eating disorders, traditionally what we would have seen, you know, as growing up, was a very narrow-minded, you know, a very insular uh, and linear view of, of the problem. Um, but, you know, the fact that, you know, we have this service here with the Eating Disorder Centre in Cork, which is on Penrose Quay, which is something as I, as Lord Mayor, was unaware of. Um, I went to visit them in a courtesy visit back in October and I was absolutely absolutely blown away by the services that they're providing and, and voluntary services as well um, but to see you know, so many people here this morning and see the board of Cork Eating Disorder Centre uh, here and it being live linked and live streamed uh, on social media as well is, ap- is absolutely amazing because we need to break the stigma of uh, you know the, the traditional views of an eating disorder you know because it is a mental health issue and if there's one thing that has come out of COVID is that we do need to mind our mental health and that is Colm Kelleher, the Lord Mayor, ending that report from Murray two week. And thanks to Murray uh, from the Eating Disorder Centre in Cork and just showing the demand for their services and the work they do there. And thanks to everybody who spoke to Murray highlighting Eating Disorder Awareness Week this week, which runs until Sunday. And hi to John in Blankpool, who wants to know any updates for people who are living on their own, receiving the living alone allowance. And if they want to take in war refugees, are they going to be affected? John, we haven't had any confirmation yet. We are working on that hopefully uh, we will get some news this afternoon but obviously it's a government decision so it might take some time Uh, but if we hear anything we'll bring that to you once we do hear that and hi to everybody in Park West Flowers in Mallow Uh, they're offering handmade bows in the Ukrainian national colours for your front door and your car to show solidarity and to raise money for the current conflict in Ukraine and the bows will be available from Park West Flowers in Mallow for €5 and all the money raised will be donated to UNICEF and to the Red Cross for the help at this crucial time for the Ukrainian people. So again, Park West Flowers and Mallow selling those bows in the national colours of Ukraine. Five euros and the money going to UNICEF and indeed the Red Cross and I'm sure more outlets will start doing that as well right across Cork. Your pet questions are welcome. Jane, our resident vet, will join us very shortly of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket. If you have a question for Jane, call Bernie 0818 or you can Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 C103's 4Play for 4K. With McCroom Motors, where your journey to electric begins with the full range of Toyota self-charging hybrid vehicles. See McCroomMotors.com. 
C103 has just given away 4K Ken Tobin on Cork's More Music Breakfast yesterday morning. Cork today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818 103 103. And just want to give a mention to a World Day of Prayer interdenominational service which is taking place tomorrow night in Cork McSherry Catholic Church at 8 o'clock for World Peace and everybody is welcome. And let's go to Jane Pickett. Now the item would Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group for this week's pet slot. A very good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, John Paul. And thanks for joining us. I'm with a lot of questions in, Jane, so let's get straight into them. And first of all, this is from Eileen, who was in Formoy, and it's regarding her Yorkie, Jane. Now, her Yorkie, she says, is nearly two years old. Uh, they go for a walk every day, but as soon as he comes home, he starts going to the toilet on the floor. So what can be done to stop him? Okay, that's a really interesting one because normally when pets are out and about doing their walks, the activity and kind of um, the stimulation of walking and running about will usually stimulate their bowels. So usually they'll do their pees and their poos whilst they're out and about. So it's a bit unusual that he's getting back and then doing his pees inside. Now, some of this could just be habit, um, particularly in a younger dog, that may be the case um, as they're kind of, they're like little sponges if, a, if something happens once they tend to repeat it. Or it could be that something might be putting him off and making him feel a little bit uneasy whilst he's out on his walk. So when dogs um, pee and poo, they're a little bit vulnerable, essentially. That's why you may notice that if you take your dog for a walk and they do a pee or a poo, they'll sometimes look at you as their owner. They're essentially looking at you, kind of going, are you making sure everything's okay? Nobody's going to hurt me. So if he feels a little bit under threat when he's out and about doing his walks, feels a little bit uneasy, is maybe afraid of other dogs that might be in the environment, that might be putting him off doing his pees whilst he's out and about on his walk. So he might be holding it, even though he's kind of his bowels have been stimulated by the walking until he gets home and doing it there. And the other possibility is he may have a kind of an increased urgency or need to pee. In a young dog, the most common thing that would cause this to start all of a sudden would be a little bacterial um, urinary tract infection or sometimes even little crystal formations within the bladder that can sometimes cause a little bit of damage to the bladder and secondary infections. So I think it's really important that if this is a new thing for your dog has started out of the blue, I would suspect it's most likely behavioral. However, if you notice that your dog is peeing more in general, or has an increased urgency to pee, or if the pee is a bit smelly, I would bring your dog to the vet for a check and maybe bring a little pee sample with you as well that they could test. But it may just be a case of taking him to somewhere where he feels really at ease so that he can do his walks and his pees and poos. So maybe try and change the location of where you're doing your walks and see if that makes a difference. Okay, hopefully that helps you there, Eileen, in Formoy. And a texter here, and this is kind of wide open, Jane, but she's asking, uh, first of all, her dog has red eyes and has an itchy nose and itchy legs. Now, their vet has prescribed steroids, but she's wondering what is common for a dog to be allergic to. Okay, um, very much like humans, there are some biggies that they can be allergic to. Some, some sometimes pollens, grass pollens, just mites, very similar to in humans. However, with dogs, the list of things that they might be exposed to in their daily life is so long if you think about it we walk around our houses and are maybe exposed to the cleaning products and you know the the fabrics in our household but they're out and about exploring the world sticking their head into every single bush and crevice outside in the garden that you could possibly think of so they're kind of a lot more at risk for a wider range of allergens than we would be as humans so really the common things are common however it could be anything that this little dog is allergic to 
One thing I would say is if this is its first bout of allergy, then I think trust your vet with their diagnostic process. They will need to potentially do some tests if it if it continues. There are tests that can be done to see exactly what pets are allergic to. Now, one of those is a blood test, which sounds simple simple but sometimes it doesn't give us a lot of answers a lot of the time when we do allergy blood testing on dogs they'll will tend to get results where they'll either be allergic to everything under the sun a few hundred things that are impossible to avoid or the panels will come back negative saying look we don't know what it's allergic to and that's not the most helpful so if you do need to take it further if your vet does suggest further investigation it may be the case that they might suggest some um, intradermal testing so this is where little bits of allergy will be injected under the skin in a big pattern and we would see what the the dog reacts to by the formation of a little lump where it's where it's had the injection with the let's say the dander or the pollen or the grass that it's allergic to and then in that way we can go either down the route of excluding that from the dog's exposure or even trying to desensitize it to it so if this is the first round you know it may just be something and nothing that never appears again and i suppose be mindful of discussing with your vet whether it improves on the steroids disimproves or if it stays the same because unless you tell your vet what's going on they won't know whether it needs to go further um, down the investigative route or if, if everything's sorted it can be anything under the sun that they're allergic to and and allergies are really really frustrating in pets both for us as owners but mainly for the dogs because obviously we don't want to see them irritated or itchy so it's important to stick with your vet on this one work through the diagnostic plan and i'm sure you'll get to the bottom of it hopefully they do and donald is in carrick tool now something that a lot of people can highlight and uh, relate to over the last number of years especially the last two years as uh, people putting on weight and many people now are losing that weight and out walking a lot more uh, but this is for Donald's dog because he says his dog has put on waste over the last two years and while he is active and they walk the dog every day with themselves a lot of this he says is our own fault because we were feeding him scraps as we were all at home for a lot of the last two years so any tips from Jane to reduce his weight he is 10 years old and he if he feels that the dog is in good health but he does need to lose weight at this stage because he was never this heavy it's a Labrador and again he's they've stopped feeding him the scraps but they do take him for daily walks what else can they do okay so first of all i i want to give the heartiest well done to this this listener who's rang in because you're already halfway there more than half of the pet owning population would probably turn a blind eye to an obese pet and maybe not have the motivation to do something about it but this listener has recognized that there's an issue knows that it's impacting on their dog's health and is motivated to change so that's that's really really great news You've taken a really good first step in cutting out the table scraps. If you think about human food, it's really calorie dense. And for dogs and cats, even having like a tiny little snack is the equivalent of us eating two or three cheeseburgers. So you need to be really mindful of feeding your pet human food. It's usually not the best thing to do in general, but particularly if you're trying to get them to lose weight because it's so calorie dense. One thing I would suggest is continue with the walks that you're doing. That will really help. So very much similar to us, exercise can improve the, met- the metabolic rate um, so that we lose weight a little bit quicker even when we're not exercising. But the important thing to note there is that the main thing that's really going to help your pet to lose those extra pounds is its diet. So, you know, it's, it's very much like us when we're trying to lose weight. It's that that saying of kind of abs were made in the kitchen, not the gym. You need to control his dietary intake. So the best way of doing this would be to speak to your local vet or nurse and ask them if they do diet plans for dogs. 
a lot of clinics may do this free of charge or there may be a small charge but generally it's worth its weight in gold having a firm plan where your pet will have its measurements taken of its waist its height will work out exactly what its doggy equivalent of the bmi is and we'll be able to assess exactly how many calories does this little pet need during the day in order to, for it to lose weight at a steady but safe rate so slow and steady wins the race here no crash dieting for dogs and cats so i really think the best advice i could give you is don't go it alone speak to your vet and vet nurse and get them to help you with a plan because that's going to be the thing that will ensure your success so really really well done on recognizing it and i, I really hope it works out and very finally and briefly louise's and skibbereen she has a border collie but there's pus what looks like pus forming in his eye any remedy for this or could it be because he is allergic to something uh, if, it, if it looks kind of almost creamy or even green in some cases this little dog needs a visit to the vet that sounds like it could be brewing an eye infection they can be very nasty and escalate quite quickly sometimes they're secondary to a scratch on the eye or something stuck in the eye so this is when I wouldn't sit on I'd take that little pet to your vet and get him to assess the eye and see what the problem is Okay Jane thank you for that and we'll chat to you next week on the programme Thank you very much. Cheers, Jane. Thank you. That is Jane Pickett there of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Patricia's back tomorrow from 10am. Enjoy your Thursday afternoon. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.